like the artwork up top, Sim. Alright, here we go. Assalamualaikum and welcome to the Madman Looks Podcast. My name is Sim. Along with me is my co-host, Mahin Islam. Uh, we have a wonderful show for you guys this afternoon. Uh, please help us out on patreon.com backslash the Mad Mom Luke's. Uh, alternatively, you could help us out through PayPal by going to the Mad Mom Luke's.com backslash donate. Um, please welcome our guest, resident white people. <laughs> <laughs> so we are no longer oh, yeah, a majority yeah. anymore. It's a 50 50, huh? We got 50 50. We're taking over. Taking over. We got uh, resident rabble rouser Omar Lee, everyone's favorite troublemaker. We've always wanted Omar on the show for a long time, and I'm so happy Omar you joined us. Uh, he's got a a blog. He's he's got a podcast. He's doing all kinds of fun stuff. You he's a, definitely a provocateur of sorts, but also a very smart and intelligent man. And uh, I love his writings and. I've talked to him a, a, a bit on Twitter and complimented him on his style of podcasting, which is reminiscing, reminiscent of uh, a lot of the radio programming that happened late at night in the 80s and 90s. And it really brings back those memories to me. And um, I was, I'm so thankful that you joined us for the show. Uh, and Robert, everyone knows you from our infamous white Muslim episode. Um, so Robert is the founder of <laughs> Anglo-Saxons. Um, so Robert is the founder for Islam for Europeans, right? Yep. Well, co-founder. Co-founder, yeah. Sodorov from Russia is the founder. Yeah, but... the, the, the Russian agent. Putin. <laughs> Putin's lackey. No, just, I'm just joking, man. I know. Uh, it's, um, it's a theory. Let's just say that a lot of Russians operate in the United States with... Um, within coordination with the Russian government to stir up trouble. So we, we talked a little bit about that on that episode and um, among other things, but thank you both for joining us. Um, are you guys in self quarantine right now? No, no, no. Not. I mean, I was ripping and running the streets last night. I mean, I do think that people shouldn't go out no more than they have to. I think this is a public health crisis. We should take very seriously. Um, but, I quite simply could not afford not to work. So I had to get up and get this money. And um, there were a lot of people out and about last night. Whereas Friday was very dead. Uh, yesterday, a lot of people were out for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, All right. You have one thing to hoard at a store. That's the only thing you can put in your your cart. What is it, Omar Lee? Water. All right. Well, forget about the bare essentials. <laughs> well. We're not talking about toilet paper here. Right, right. You can... You, uh, this thing, something you want to um, to have as far as a food item. Uh, could be food. Man, that's a tough question. Could be food. I'm at the grocery store. Um, you know, beans and rice or pasta. Okay. Pasta? Typical white answer? No, I go with the, my... The cooking habits are a combination of all my exes. 
<laughs> I love you, man. All right. Puerto Rican soul food spaghetti. That's my problem. Hey, it, it's a step above what what the answer I was expecting was potatoes or something really like bland. Like mayonnaise. I was mayonnaise. I, I never cook them right. I love potatoes. I just never, I can't cook them right. Just, I never get it right for some reason. Robert, what do you got? Uh, am I going to say... Uh, Halal chicken fingers? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Halal chicken fingers. Mahin Islam, what is yours? For me, it, for me it's the uh, Costco cold brew coffee. Costco. And like, I I want to go to Costco, but I heard there's like a three hour line there, and I don't want to. I don't want. I don't need toilet paper. I need cold brew coffee. The cans, because I I just pop pick one up on the way to work, and like just that's my caffeine for the day. Yeah, I just I just need any kind of coffee. Um, I do intermittent fasting for most of the day and all I do is drink black coffee for the most part of the day. And then like I have a four hour window where I eat after seven o'clock and I have my first meal at that point. It's worked fantastic for me though. It's, um, I, you really, really realize how little food you need. Um, that's like fasting in yellow knife, (laughs) yellow knife. Where's that? Oh, up up north. Oh, okay. Yeah, territories. Okay. Twenty uh, hour fast. You the Yukon territory is that where it is? Northwest territories. Okay. I knew cool. a Muslim. I know actually know a friend of mine is in is a Muslim friend of mine in Yellowknife right now. Actually lived there for like years, and uh, they got a small musala there. So there's actually a, a, a masjid in Yellowknife, uh, White Horse, Inuvik, and a Kalawit. So there's like four masjids in the Canadian territories. See, that's going to be a thing. Like when when. when if your dreams come true and the white Muslim thing is really big, you're going to be have like camping in like 10 degree below zero weather. <laughs> Igloos. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's do a vacation. Let's climb a mountain, like uh, whatever the war zone is at that time, let's climb a mountain there and like be another surprise when we get like kidnapped and stuff. You know, that's yeah. going to be the white Muslim excursion. Yeah, well, I, I think jokingly on Twitter, I put if uh, if there was a quote unquote white master, which is not exactly what we advocate. I don't know who would burn it down first, SJW Muslims or the alt right. But I'm sure we get that at least we get them to agree on something. So, yeah, <laughs> I would just say this: if there was a white master, I probably wouldn't beat up for Iftar. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know what they're gonna have potato salad uh, uh, to break your fast with and. Uh, uh, and what would white Muslims have? Potato salad and quiche and casserole. Quiche and casserole. Yeah. Uh, Omar, so just to give the, the listeners a little bit of an idea of, of uh, both of your backgrounds and that you both are coming from opposing views. Um, yes. Robert is more, I guess, uh, what what people would say is alt-Muslim or alt-right Muslim or something like that. A oh, white nationalist exactly. Muslim? At least that's not what... exactly. No, no, no. no. Not, you're not that. You are not that, but that's what the uh, polemical style of attack is against your website and the, the um, yeah. so, so some of the characterization that's being done uh, related to Islam for Europeans. Um, and Omar Lee is what a lot of people who are his um, opponents would call an SJW, or someone who's a, a leftist activist, uh, an extremist. So, um, I, I'm just trying to give the uh, the listener a little bit of an idea of what your backgrounds are in relation to some of the subject matter we're speaking about. Okay. Um, so, uh, I know. Remember, I remember after our episode with you, Robert, 
there were a lot of people had a lot of fun watching it and some people were a little upset because of the mischaracterization I did about uh, white culture. White culture specifically say, me saying that, well, what is white culture? There really isn't any white culture that um, white people traditionally are just an amalgamation of all the various ethnicities that have uh, arrived in America. At least that's how I understood. And then, um, and, you know, I spoke a little bit about uh, going to a, a white person's house, not having to really worry about any cultural sensitivities that we have to necessarily abide by. Um, do, do you think there is a white culture that needs to be preserved, Robert? Maybe we, you've given that question a little bit more thought since. Well, I, I think you, you, had an op- you had an opening statement. Do you want to cover that first? Or Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit verbose. Let me see if I can get through it as best I can, Uh-oh. but I'll address that answer to that. I'll answer yeah. that question as soon as I'm done though. I don't want to, I don't want to take too long. If I'm taking too long, let me know. Yeah. But, um, uh, actually I can just skip this whole section. We've already introduced each other. So that's cool. Um, well, okay, let's do it anyway. What the heck? Uh, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to Mad Mamluks. Uh, we've given a platform to scholars, sisters, everyday struggling Muslims like ourselves. Uh, we're really living in an age where left-wing media outlets only allow the voice of social justice warrior Muslims and right-wing media uh, present the idea that Islam is this reductionist, authoritarian, oppressive religion and portrays Muslims as a monolithic group that only wants their destruction. Um, in the garbage heap of people's thoughts that is social media, Mad Man Luke's is a breath of fresh air, so I pray to Allah that he puts barakah in your podcast for years to come. I also want to give a shout out to my respected brother, uh, Umar Lee, uh, who I look up to and admire. He's been Muslim a lot longer than I have uh, for bringing up issues that are taboo in the Muslim community in the West, especially rise and fall, the Salafi Dawah, which helped us a lot through the Bidda Wars of the 2000s. I also agree with a lot of what he wrote in his uh, recent article, White Muslims, You Should Probably Go Home, with a few exceptions, which which we'll discuss later. So may Allah reward you and and your family. Uh, So... That's enough ass-kissing for today. Uh, So I'm going to start this debate with a quote. Um, So just as a caveat, I don't agree with everything with this quote. Um, I do agree that, uh, you know, we no group in the Muslim community should be totally separated from the rest of the Muslims. Um, I do think, though, that in each, you know, what we call Muslim sub-community, there's specific issues that need to be, that they, they need to address with, especially for Congress, because they're in such a delicate situation because they're trying to get, uh, they're trying to, you know, like uh, repair the relationship with their families while at the same time trying to be uh, adjusted to the Muslim community. So this is a quote from a very famous Muslim. I tell sincere white people, work in, work in conjunction with us, each of us working among our own kind. Let sincere white individuals find all other white people they can who feel as they do and let them form their own all-white groups to work to work trying to convert other white people who are thinking and acting so racist. Let sincere whites go and teach nonviolence to white people. We will completely respect our white coworkers. They will deserve every credit. Uh, we will give them every credit. Uh, we will meanwhile be working among our own kind, our own in our own black communities, showing and teaching black men in ways that only other black men can that the black man has got to help himself. Working separately, the sincere white people and sincere black people actually will be working together. Uh, in our mutual sincerity, we might be able to show a road to the salvation of America's very soul. Where the sincere white people have got to do their proving of themselves is not among the black victims, 
but on the battle lines of where America's racism really is, and that is in their own home communities. And it's, at the end of the quote, it says, El Hajj, Malik, El Shabazz, Malcolm X. So post-Hajj quote. Okay, so skip ahead to 2020. Uh, there's a lot of mutual animosity between Islam and the West, as we know. As Muslims are facing more and more anger from non-Muslims, many of them have formed alliances with left-wing, secular Marxist groups in exchange for protection and allies, um, which to an extent is understandable. Meanwhile, white conservatives propagandized by white-ring media outlets, half-lies, half-truths, and disinformation about Muslims and Islam, uh, making them more fearful and suspicious of Muslims and immigrants in general. Even worse, the only response we hear from Muslims is that they are racist Islamophobes who do not even deserve dialogue. As one prominent spokesperson said in Al Jazeera, uh, Islamic spokesperson, we don't, we don't give dawah to racists. Uh, converts to Islam, especially those from a European background, do not have the luxury of shutting down their own flesh and blood like this. They cannot even say oof to their conservative families, let alone en enact Islamophobia laws that prohibit their anger towards their new faith. White converts are essentially alone in their experience, uh, estranged or despised by their family and community, coming to another community as a complete outsider who may or not, may not have animosity towards white people, and for good reason. Um, in addition, uh, they have no organization that they can turn to for advice and often no European Muslim role model that is well known in the mainstream. Um, so in an effort to keep uh, them in the fold of Islam, uh, the mosque will often give these brothers high positions and ranks that they do not deserve, nor are they ready for. Um, as a result, the white convert separates himself from the, uh, his family and community, trying to assimilate deeper and deeper into a culture he knows little about, trying to become the next Dawah superstar at his local masjid. The negative effects of this inverted affirmative action can be devastating. White comrade does not fit in, uh, will give totally wrong advice, and create more animosity between our other brothers and sisters who are rightly upset that they were, we were ever put on a pedestal. Um, the community places high expectations on this brother who tried to leave so many things that were haram, and a lot of the times they end up crashing. Meanwhile, his community left him, he's estranged from his family, and non-Muslims, they look at him and they say, that's what I have to do to become a Muslim? That's too much for me. Uh, the general message is white converts have to go all in, changing the way they dress, think, act. And this is creating a lot of difficulties for us. Um, can you guys still see me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. I'm just trying to find the uh, thing here. So, okay, you can still see me and hear me, but I, uh, I have to switch to my computer. So um, I'm going to skip along here. Um, so the solution we propose is simple. Converts from a European background um, need to have at least a tiny organization uh, or tiny sub-community, not to separate ourselves from the rest of the Muslims, obviously, but to be integrated. Uh, just like every Muslim sub-community that moved to the West, just like our African-American brothers and Latino Muslim brothers, instead of trying to be white saviors, uh, our job will be to give dawah to our own kaum, to our own people. Uh, just being good examples of what a Muslim is, being a good example to our family and community, while maintaining the halal aspects of our European culture, as little as they may be. We will still be connected to the greater Muslim community, praying with them, fasting with them, giving them salams, making dua for them. And they're more than welcome to come to our get-togethers just as they open their doors to us. Uh, this will make it easier uh, for Europeans to convert to Islam and stay in the community. Uh, it will be easier for us to dialogue and debate uh, with white conservative groups, and we ask Allah to soften their hearts on Islam. 
we won't be appropriating another culture anymore. We can concentrate on faith, purification, and spirituality instead of focusing just on a Muslim identity. And we will remove the de facto white savior status foisted upon us by masters around North America. The immigrant mosques won't have to babysit us anymore or spend thousands of dollars uh, on us while that money is better spent on their own community. So while I agree with many of the things that Brother Umar Lee posted in his recent article, um, I just think that the best way forward is that uh, we have at least a platform or a tiny organization, uh, even a tiny brick and mortar organization, so we can discuss these issues, um, open our doors to everybody. And uh, that's the best way that we can help out the Muslim community ourselves and everybody in general. So that's my short story. Well, Omar, what are your thoughts on that? I, I just drafted up an opening statement in response to his. I did not have an opening statement, so I would like to make a short one. Uh, first, I will begin with a lot of what he just said is, is pretty much fantasy. Uh, in some cities, there's one, two, four, five white Muslims. You know, the, the, the overwhelming verdict is in, and the overwhelming majority uh, of white people are simply not interested in the religion of Islam, despite any dollar efforts that have been made. And if interest would, would increase by 1,000, that means in some cities you would have 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 white people. Not the type of numbers that could sustain an organization. But let me start out with saying, when you mention SJW Muslims, that is a blanket statement. That is the rhetoric of the alt-right or, or the rhetoric of the right wing. They put everything blanket into this SJW uh, camp. Now, I have my own critique of SJW Muslims, Muslim identity Muslims that seem to not be interested in the practice of Islam, uh, seem to only uh, be interested in the promotion of Islam as a secularized immigrant ethnic identity. Most of this is heavily funded by um, either academia or these foundations. That's a whole other thing. But it's not SJW for Muslims in America who are overwhelmingly non-white, who are overwhelmingly African-American and immigrant-based, to be concerned about the welfare of their own communities, to be concerned about the welfare of their families. Uh, they would be irrational Muslims if they were not. And historically, that was the case for many. They told Muslims, don't engage in American politics, don't engage in American social arguments. We should just be concentrated on Ibadah or on the eventual establishment of Adola to Islam and ignore the uh, the political conversations in America. And what we found post 9-11 is we could not ignore these conversations because no man is an island. We're all in this together, and we have to advocate on behalf of our communities. Muslims are 99% a, a, a community of color in America. So when you have white nationalism, when you have uh, uh, political movements that are such as in the Trump administration, uh, such as those of Richard Spencer, et cetera, what you see on Fox News and Tucker Carlson. These are things that by, are by definition hostile to Muslims as they are hostile to 99% of the Muslims because Islam is seen as a foreign, non-white entity that can be a threat to whiteness. It doesn't matter your political ideology. You could be on the right. You could be whatever. If you're a Muslim, you will be seen as a cultural and social threat to these people. As far as making da'wah to them, you, 
the obligation is on Dawa to everyone, but you also have to have realistic positioning. You know, I'm not a fan. I, I went to a Trump rally. They had Islamic phobic signs. I was outside, and care. You know, I was there to report with the Guardian newspaper, and care was out handing out donuts to Islamophobes, the people with anti-Muslim signs. That's not the type of Dawa I come from. I come from the history of Dawa of strength, not that oh, I'll kiss your butt enough, and you may like me. I'll pour you enough tea, you may like me. Uh, we stand from a position of strength. We stand on Islam. We stand uh, on who we are as Muslims. If you want to have dialogue at that point, we can do it, but we're not going to come to you hat in hand. You have to understand that the image of white Muslims, when you talk about Islam for Europeans organization, uh, some of those affiliated with you uh, are retweeting alt-right um, uh, memes and articles and if you take away the Muslim name to their Twitter account, they just people would just think they're a Nazi or they're, you know there's some kind of a far right white nationalist, and that is going to turn off immediately 99% of Muslims. And then we move to the white Muslims. It's going to turn off 99% of the white Muslims because most white Muslims enter Islam from a position of leaving whiteness. They've looked at white culture. They've looked at white America, and they say, it's not pleasing to my soul. It's not fulfilling to my soul. Therefore, I'm looking for other alternatives and options. I'm talking about the authentic converts. I'm not talking about the converts that just convert so they can get a better seat at the Free Palestine rally or just convert <laughs> to say, Free Gaza, you know, or to the hummus or the, you know, the basic white chick on campus that she converts, and all of a sudden she's an intersectionally oppressed, hijabi, Muslim, quote-unquote. I'm talking about the authentic convert that is geared towards Tawheed and the Sunnah of Prophet that these are people that, uh, by necessity, you're leaving whiteness. We're given this whole set of things white people can't do in America. And Islam is on that list of things that can, in many respects, weaken or even invalidate your whiteness to, to do a certain extent. And how do we know that, that, that this is authentic, what I just said? It's because how many white Muslims marry white Muslims? Very few. You know, I've met hundreds, if not thousands, of white Muslims over the years. And I can say easily I've met no more than probably five to ten that were married to other white Muslims, you know. And, you know, they're, you know, Either they're marrying African Americans or Daisies or Arabs or Malaysians or Indonesians, Somalis. White Muslims are overwhelmingly marrying uh, non white people. And I think it's a great thing. Why do I don't think it's a great thing? It's not because I don't have any interest in sitting around watching girls or watching The Office or watching uh, what's it called, Parks and Rec or Portlandia, some <laughs> white Muslim convert woman. You know, uh, it's not that I don't like white humor or I, I don't want to. Uh, marry a sister who wants a pet dog or something like that. Um, even though white people are negatively influenced in a lot of bases, especially with these dogs now. Uh, that's a whole other topic. Uh, Y'all better get on that. Uh, it's um, um, There's a cultural divide. There's a cultural divide because not only do I come from a racially mixed family with African Americans, I've been a Muslim since I was a teenager. And so there's a cultural divide. And that cultural divide opens the door uh, for Islam. And Islam is in Jamaat. It's in community. You can't pray by yourself. You can't have Juma by yourself. A lot of the loneliness and isolation of the convert, and I will agree with you, many white Muslims 
don't feel a place. I don't feel a place. I, I, when in St. Louis, I feel a sense of home because these people know me since I was young. We love each other, know each other forever. But here in Dallas, Fort Worth area, I agree. I walk in the mansion, people look at me with suspicion. But I don't have that butt kissing mentality. One of them says something smart to me. I'm smacking the biryani out their mouth. You know what I'm saying? So I just remove myself from the situation. You know what I'm saying? I agree. It's difficult uh, for many. I agree. There's problems. I mean, there's problems in the sense of white Muslims getting elevated and put on boards and and promoted. But it's also the there's also the the, the, the suspicion. You know, like I had an argument with some leftists, quasi-communists, anti-imperialists, Bashar al-Assad. Some the person they said, "Oh, you're an agent." This is the go-to thing for white Muslims. You know, the, uh, if he's a Salafi, he'll say a Sufi. Oh, he's an agent promoting Sufism. If he's a Sufi and the guy's a Salafi, oh, he's an agent promoting uh, uh, Salafism. Yes, I agree with that. But one of the ways to remedy that is we know marriage is half of our deen. As opposed to breaking your fast by yourself, you break your fast with a Muslim family. You, you and and via marriage you have an extended Muslim family. That's why I think it's a great idea. It's not a necessity. You marry who you want to as long as it's halal. But it's a great thing to marry into a Muslim family because you can see how Islam is practiced as a family. It's it, it, it's a, it's a holistic system. Many times, a convert, not just white, but African American, Latinos, and others, convert, and then they are uh, uh, they're in isolation. Everything is by themselves. This is why traditionally. Before the strength of a Dawah to Salafia, the concept of Jamaat, the Dal Islam movement, the Islamic party in particular, but other smaller movements, so we must establish Jamaat, we must give a bayat to Iman, and we form a community, and we do Eid together, and we do Ramadan together, and we marry each other. And this is a remedy for converts, and there were white converts in these movements. They were a small minority, but they were welcome. This was a remedy, the Jamaat. And uh, uh, coalition. We have to remember that as, as Muslims are looked at as this non-white threat to norms of white American society, it's quite natural that uh, Muslims be in coalition with African Americans, with Latinos, who are also facing uh, these same problems. And also, Islam is growing in the Latino community. Islam has been a factor in the African American community. This is a natural position. We look at who's burning down Masajid. We look at who's having protests against uh, uh, the opening of Masajid and Muslim graveyard, et cetera. It's not on the south side of Chicago. It's not on the north side of St. Louis. It's not on the north side of Philadelphia. It's not in southeast Washington, D.C. It's not in the west end of Atlanta. It's not in the fifth order, Houston or, or, or South Dallas. It's in white suburbia. The same place, these Mostly South Asian or Arab-led organizations are spending hundreds of millions, if not billions, to establish misogyny in neighborhoods where people don't want them. But the people who are actually not Islamophobic and the people that are actually open to the message of Al-Islam, these are the people that that uh, uh, Islam types have no interest in. And uh, and just to uh, uh, to finish. Uh, my this uh, made up intro. Uh, white Muslims do have problems, like everybody else. I mean, this dunya, the Prophet said, this this dunya is a prison to the believers. So we all have problems. A part of embracing Al Islam is we're not taking the easy path. If it's the easy path in America, we're going to do what everybody else knows. So yes, I've had problems. I'm sure you've had problems. It's difficult at times. 
it's difficult. You just want to walk into the masjid and pray Maghrib and you're a spectacle and, you know, you know, maybe you're not trusted or maybe you're, you know, hey, man, how did you convert? And you're just tired from work or something. It's a problem, but the, the answer is not isolation uh, and seclusion because all white groups, the history of America, and we cannot divorce this now from the history of America. When you get an all-white group, it becomes um, supremacist in nature. It may not start out that way. And then when you look at the rhetoric, you know, of uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but one of the guys that's you know been tweeting, you know, in favor. This guy comes off like a straight up. I mean, walking out of a, a, a tiki torch rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. So that's not very uh, 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 positive and reassuring to people. The, the reality is, is it was shortly turned into a supremacist type of organization, separating from the Muslim community, and and that's really not where we want to be. Robert, what's your response to some of your detractors after the the last show that we had with you? They said <clears throat> it's not that Robert is wrong in his ideas or what what his uh, what he's calling for is wrong inherently. It's that it's not what is actually needed right now. What's needed right now is just what has, um, you know, um, we we need to get to know one another much more better before we start building our own community or, or working towards uh, establishing our own identity. What are your thoughts on that kind of uh, critique? Well, um, I mean, if you look at, and, you know, uh, let me just uh, address some of the things that, that Omar, yeah. Omar uh, said first. Okay, first of all, I completely agree with you. The idea of the SJW Muslim is being used by white nationalist groups, the alt-right, to have these blanket accusations of, of Muslims. And I mean, it's it's terrible. And it, again, we will make every ever possible to distance ourselves from white nationalist thinking, white supremacist thinking about Islam for Europeans. We don't agree with it. Uh, it's it's against Islam. It's, it's completely unacceptable. And if anything pops like ops like that, please let it let me know and I will address it specifically on my end. So that's definitely one thing I want to do to uh, uh, distance ourselves from that completely. Um, secondly, um, uh, if uh, uh, it's not the fact that uh, there are so few white Muslims or the fact there's no white Muslim sub-community like every other sub-community. I think it's a chicken or the egg problem. I know a lot of white people who would convert to Islam, uh, but the, the, it would be such an insurmountable mountain for them to climb. You know, they would lose support from their family. They would be estranged from their family. They would become to, you know, like, you know, yeah, you're right. It's not easy. It's extremely difficult. But now, like on top of this, like, you know, like you're going to have to be in a totally different uh, community and culture. And that's perfectly fine. That's expected. Uh, you know, like you said, like Marcid, like most of the Muslims, 99 percent of the Muslims are not white. Um, but um, the, the whole concept we're trying to establish is that, um, you know, we need to start some way conceptually, you know, like anyone can convert to Islam. Uh, you know, like, uh, in, and, and this is where it needs to have a conversation. I mean, there, you know, there's lots of white people who have no problem with Muslims or, you know, white allies. They love the Islamic uh, concept, the Islamic way of life. It's just that in their minds, they feel that, you know, like, you know, like this is some, not something I can do. Whereas for people born into a Muslim family, it's, it's, it's natural. It's like your family's Muslim, your culture's Muslim, your heritage is Muslim. If we look at, for example, like some of the European philosophers that converted to Islam, you know, back in the 19th, 18th century, 
they you know they you know try to try to bridge these gaps by trying to reach out and bridge these gaps between Islam and the West. And, you know, they helped several uh, Europeans converted to Islam by reading, reading the teachings of René Gounod. Now, the thing about René Gounod is Steve Bannon used René Gounod falsely and you know, took, took him out of context and said, you know, we should return to a traditional society. But René Gounod dis distanced himself completely from uh, fascism, from uh, European nationalism and said, no, this is not part of Islam at all. Um, so getting back to your question, uh, the idea that, um, was it about, okay, sorry, could you repeat it again, Sim? I heard right, so, I, so, um, a lot of people said, well, it's not that Robert is wrong about his ideas. Um, you know, even myself, I thought, you know, uh, well before a couple of years ago, this idea of having white Muslims integrate into, uh, white America better so that they can be a better vehicle to help non-Muslim white America um, you know, facilitate to Islam. I, I always, that, that's been an idea that's been kind of swirling in my head. I've talked to other white Muslims regarding that idea and some were kind of, you know, um, yeah. they, they, they said, you know, it requires a lot of thought. But um, what do you think they are correct that white muslims the, the idea of islam for europeans is is just way too new it's not we're not ready for that yet it and i can agree where brother umar is coming from it does sound like it's a fantasy because there's so few white muslims uh, so i totally understand where they're coming from um but at the same time we have to understand that white especially muslims coming from a european background our whole like for example i, I grew up in a totally 95 percent white town in, in rural canada my family's white my 95 percent of my town is white all the people that i know are white i'm just i was just a guy just all alone the only muslim in my town and here i was just trying to show people what islam is and they all and i had dozens of my you know white family members and community members say hey, how do you pray like how do you fast you know like it's fascinating tell me more about it and you know i tried the best i could um you know and uh you know i could tell that you know that allah was softening their hearts um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, for them, converting would be such a huge monumental change. It's not, it's not easy. That's expected. You know, like uh, this dunya, like Umar said, this dunya is a prison for the believers. They're going to be, you know, like it's going to be a difficult adjustment for them because they're complete outsiders in that community. So at a conceptual level, we just want to establish the idea that this is something we need at least someone who can give advice in that regard so yeah Omar sounds a, like you you want to make a point Omar yeah I want to make two points actually uh, first something that Sam said and then and, and then back to Robert uh, I mean the cultural aspect uh I think we can split the baby here I mean there was a, a um I mean there's an argument about changing your name I happen to be in support of changing your name that's a whole nother topic but there was an idea traditionally that converting whether you're white or whether you're not uh you just totally separate from the society and culture i do think you can be 100 percent muslim you can uh you know but you can you know you don't have to you know uh like i'm a big wrestling fan i'm a big boxing fan i'm a big football baseball you don't have to give up your love of sports or those aspects of american society and culture you know that uh you know that there's nothing haram about you know i used to go to st louis cardinals baseball games and people would be like oh stop from the law you know, yeah you should be a cubs fan you know, <laughs> that might be haram actually. That is actually. <laughs> so, you know 
you know, I'm a Muslim, yeah, but I'm heartbroken that the NCAA wrestling championships that were to be the held in, were to be held in Minnesota starting Thursday are canceled. You know, I wouldn't be the only Muslim um, that were were, were watching them. There were Muslim participants. Um, Shakur Rashid, Penn State, one of them. You know, so um, in the in the world of boxing, there's a lot of Muslims in boxing. You know, I come from a boxing background. I love the school of boxing. A lot of Muslims are involved in boxing, and it ties into something where, that we discussed earlier. It seems I've always been kind of an anomaly amongst white Muslims. I mean, there are a few like me, but not many in the sense that I'm just a regular dude from North St. Louis. I love sports. Um, I love, you know, just all the regular things. And most white Muslims, they kind of these weird white dudes on Twitter talking about monarchies and postmodernism and philosophy and, you know, all this stuff that you can't buy a loaf of bread with, you know, translate or you can't see. And so some of these were people that were, you know, attracted like to be a Hare Krishna or this or that. And then eventually you know, the door to the masjid was open, you know, or something and the message of Islam vibe with them. But yeah, in the sense that you talk about white Muslims, I do think it's a power to say, hey, you become Muslim and you can't watch the St. Louis Cardinals no more. You can't watch the favorite team no more. Or you can't watch wrestling no more. You can't watch boxing no more. You can't read novels no more. That all these things that are a part of the culture. Music is another issue because there's issues of halal and haram with music and different opinions. But just a so that's not just true of white Muslims, that's true of African American, Latino, Asians, and others. That if you say you convert, well, you, you can't watch cricket no more, you know, or, yeah. or something of that nature. Um, that's an issue. But, Robert, I think was one big thing you're missing is this Donald J. Trump is the president of the United States of America right now. Donald J. Trump. Boris Johnson is the prime minister of the United Kingdom. Bolsonaro is the president of Brazil. Duterte is the president of the Philippines. Vladimir Putin is the president of Russia. Uh, and what do all of these men have in common? And they may have in common with the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia right now, NBZ, certainly no friend of the Muslims. UAE, certainly no model of Muslims. And uh, despite what anyone says, and uh, Mohammed bin Salman of uh, of Saudi Arabia, is they have a hostility towards Islam, right? Putin in the North Caucasus, in Moscow, regarding building the massage in the cities in Russia, and Donald Trump here. This is the cultural G moment we're living in. Jinping in China, Modi in India, and so on. You know, so Modi, the whole world China. is, you know, coalescing on this idea of Islam and Muslims yeah. being a problem within exactly. their countries. There's a consensus that Islam and Muslims are a problem. The concentration camps for the Uyghur in China, uh, we may see concentration camps in India, the violence against uh, Muslims in India. This is a global phenomenon that Donald J. Trump and his white nationalist base has helped to embolden. And the question for us now is not, let's go create a, a, a white European Islam. How do we respond to this moment? How do we stand in solidarity to all these oppressed Muslims? We know what we did before 9-11 ain't going to work. Or I, you know, traveled to, uh, you know, Chechnya in that area. And Ismail uh, to Bosnia and other brothers went to Afghanistan. Um, and I'm proud, by the way, that my old imam, Mujahid Abukada, went to Afghanistan and 
and uh, the jihad against the communists because uh, the ulama have told us uh, when communism take power, there's two choices: there is jihad or kufr. So uh, the SJ Muslims, SJW Muslims, a lot of them won't like that. But my point is, is that this is the Donald J. Trump anti-Muslim moment, and how are you going to stand against that? Are you going to stand with oppressed Muslims throughout the world to stand stand with your oppressed Muslim neighbors in America who are being profiled, who are getting knocks at the door from the FBI's, who are being pressured to be informants in the Muslim community? Are you going to stand with them? Or are you going to try to separate? You see, trying to see the narcissistic impulse that we need our own little thing because uh, I don't know, you know, there was no potato salad at the iftar. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but but Omar, Omar, how about this? When I uh, I know you said that you know you're a little bit different from other uh, white converts, but one thing, if there's a gross generalization I can make about the white converts that I've met in my life, is that majority of them have had uh, liberal parents who yeah. allowed them to facilitate towards uh, you know Islam. But uh, now, when you want to interact, or if you are expecting conservative America white conservative America to come towards Islam, you're going to need people who look like you and Robert um, in those communities, working with those people. I cannot go into Tennessee or Alabama uh, right, or certain parts of these areas where there's a yeah. very high white population. I'm not going to be able to, no matter how beautiful my language is and how, however flowery um, um, my speech is, it's just not going to permeate. First of all, I agree with you. Most most come from, from middle to upper class liberal families, what I've found. I come from a very working class, blue collar, old conservative Democrat family, old FDR Democrat family, uh, you know, which pretty much remains my politics. And that's why I'm riding with Biden. Uh, I need use of Biden. But the thing is, <laughs> use of Biden. So, so um, uh, the thing is, this. we have to look at reality. When Yusuf Estes or Hamza Yusuf or what's his name, Abdul Hakim Murad in the UK, John Walker Lind. <laughs> John Walker Lind. <laughs> white people don't look at them much different. You know what I'm trying to say? They can see a bunch of weirdos. I mean, yeah. this is a weird white dude. You know what I'm trying to say? They're not looking at him, hey man, we're in Alabama, roll tide, let's go out to Princess Hyde. They're looking at him, this is a weird white dude who don't want to eat this pork chop. You know what I'm saying? This, you know, you know, this, you separated yourself already. It's not like, hey man, we're all one. You know, let let let's let's hang out. Oh, you, you know, the Islam thing separates you automatically. So yeah, you're in a little better position in that, you know, you're not like a first generation immigrant that doesn't know the rules to baseball, or you know, you, you know, you, you you can you can have a conversation with a woman without your legs shaking and getting nervous and stuff like that because you grew up here and were around women in sports and you watched all the movies everyone else did growing up and the TV shows and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I'll argue in many cases, for example, um, it depends on socioeconomic class. If you look at the wealthiest schools, for example, the wealthiest private schools in St. Louis Metro, they're over 90% white, but who is the largest minority is they. And this is a case of a lot of metros around the country. Like I can't watch Portlandia and get the jokes. I don't get them. I tried to watch one time. I don't get the joke. These Daisy comedians or Hassan Minhaj or whatever his name is, I don't get the jokes. I just think he's a cornball. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> but that is rooted that is rooted in like this very white humor that 
a lot of middle upper class Daisies grew up with, right? So going to white schools, living in white neighborhoods, etc. It's 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 leftist discourse as well, Omar. You can't just but not just, but not mean, just the leftist. You know, what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's just the cultural thing. Just it's like, a, like a John Oliver. You know, it's all it all comes from that same vein. Um, well, but, from right, but uh, that's the political thing. But I'm yeah. talking about just the just the humor, just okay. like a Mindy Kaling. Something like that. This, this, yeah, I, I feel what you're saying. Cause also, the music you're into, right? Because I remember all my friends that I lived in the suburbs growing up. I'm like, what are you listening to? Like, alternative? I'm like, what the hell's that? Like, you right, know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so they would have a better chance in making dawa to a white person in West St. Louis County or in, you know, Skokie or, you know, or someplace like that than I would because they're just going to look at me at a ruffian and grab their wallets, uh, you know, and make sure I don't rob them. You know what I'm saying? It, just, it depends. It's not just about race. You know, Robert, he might be able to make dial to some rural Canadians or something, but as soon as they find out that, uh, you know, uh, he doesn't want to eat a, a ham sandwich and glue, it's game over. They say, okay, this is some weird white dude. He's, done, you know, he, he, he's joined some kind of weird cult. He's, you know, he, we, got, we better watch out before he joins ISIS. I hear. Robert, before, I right, right, Robert wants... Uh, right here in Dallas, by the way, there's a rich white kid yeah. who joined ISIS. Right before Robert responds, I want Omar to like. I want to ask Omar a quick follow up question before. Uh, so Omar, are you? Do you believe that because that Robert's idea of Islam for Europeans and creating the sub community is okay, but just the context we're living in right now, it's not appropriate for this time and place? Do you think, in a vacuum, do you agree with his premise? Just not to, really. No. I believe it's, it's historically inaccurate because white people converting to Islam has been, it is, and it will be white people joining as a small minority to a overwhelmingly non-white entity. White people, the answer of white people has been overwhelming for 14 centuries. No, thank you. We do not mm. want well, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on. Every, uh, every, uh, Ottoman, every Ottoman caliph has yeah, been at the his mom has been a white yeah. Albanian or someone from Serbian. the Serbian. They, they've they've always yeah, had a white woman as their moms. If the Ottomans are all were all that, they still be around. So well, the Ottoman dude, they had they had some six hundred years. Right six hundred years ain't no joke. No, I, th but. I think it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they also were heavily into infanticide, child slavery, uh, rape, and many other things. So I wouldn't hold the Ottomans. Uh, as a role model, I will say that, uh, yeah, I know you're talking about, I, you know, I've been to the North Caucasus. I know the Chechens. I, I know Khabib. I'm a wrestling guy. Dagestanians are famous in the sport of wrestling way before Khabib, you know, stepped on the scene. I, I mean, St. Louis has the largest boxing community in America, et cetera. Uh, I know all about that. Okay. There ain't nothing new to me. Um, but those are small pockets of white people. And even white with the asterisk. They're not accepted by white Russians. They're discriminated by white Russians. They're seen as like the Sicilians of Russia. You know what I'm trying to say? The, 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 the Serbs called the Bosnians the Turks. You know, the, 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 uh, all these issues have discriminate, um, are discriminated against in Europe because Islam is fundamentally seen as non-European, translating to America, seen fundamentally as, as non-white. The idea you're going to make a website or you're going to make a storefront and all of a sudden, white people are going to be flocking to it. It's not in a time of secularism, in a time where white people are, 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 are turning their backs on religion, period, and many, many born Muslims are as well. I think it's 
I think it's fantasy. All right, I guess Robert is itching to make a response. <laughs> yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, so, okay, so the question is, we're such we're such a in such a uh, uh, extreme time where Donald Trump's president of the United States and Vladimir Putin's president of Russia, and we respond to that. So there are so many Islamophobic white uh, alt right groups on YouTube making all these videos day after day all these attacks on islam muslims presenting all these questions about islam and in response the muslims now like since progressive you know since they don't want to respond there's not many people making a response to that or a retort i don't agree with handing out donuts or care handing out donuts to white islamophobe uh, you know trump supporters either i don't think we should be kissing their butts what i do think is we should at least present some type of uh, you know uh, response to all these attacks uh, on Islam, whether or not they you know like soften their hearts, that's up to them. Even if zero of them do it, we've done our job because a lot of people on the sidelines they look at this dynamic. They see people who don't like Islam. They're presenting all these things about us against Islam, all these things against Muslims. And in response, the Muslims are just scream racist, racist, racist. Of course, the people on the fence are going to be like, well, the Muslims, they must be lying. They must be practicing taqiyya. They didn't respond to their question. So, you know, they end up, the, the Islam folks just keep getting more and more support. So, I mean, and again, you know, if we look at traditionally, like the Muslims going from the Sahaba all the way up to up to uh, 9-11, it wasn't about, okay, let's convert these people or let's be nice and then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll change their minds about us. It was about, this is what Islam is, clearing up the misconceptions. If people want to accept it, great. If they believe us, great. Uh, if they don't, we've done our job. So if you're, you know, like, and again, so that's one issue. The other issue is, again, are white people not converting to Islam because they're white people, because they're privileged, because, you know, they, they got, for whatever reason, they don't want to give it up? That's one opinion. Another opinion could be, it's such a, there's no, I mean, you're basically leaving your entire, you know, being a stranger to your entire family and community and coming to, you know, like a totally different culture and community where you have no uh, role models, no Muslim culture, no Muslim heritage. And I'm sure that you guys, your ancestors as well, must have hated Islam too. I mean, your ancestors, you know, they, you know, like uh, yeah, look at the people. They probably take cow piss. Sure they, yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. Every single this is always this happened since Islam started. You know, look at uh, the the pagan Arabs. They hated Islam. They wanted to completely wipe the Muslims off the map. Look at Abu Sufyan. Look at Hind. You know, look at um, you know Khalid uh, uh, ibn Walid. They all hated Islam. They were fighting against Islam. They wanted to completely wipe the Muslims off the map. They didn't give the Muslims didn't stop giving dawah to them. They didn't stop. They, they, they kept going on, you know, if, if they, I mean, and I know it's, it, that was the 7th century, this is the 21st yeah. century, right? And it's not about, okay, like, if we do this, if we have this tiny little website, thousands and thousands of white people are going to convert to Islam. The basic principle of Islam is you don't stop giving the message to the people, especially if you're in a non-Muslim country. I don't think anyone is arguing that you stop giving dawah. I don't think anyone would propose that, I mean, the message of Islam is universal. I don't think anyone is opposed to dawah. Tawheed is universal. I mean, the, uh, the, the prophet Ahud of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is universal. So, so. I don't think anyone is, is, is arguing against that. We're just arguing for a realistic approach that we're in this moment of Donald Trump, that we're in America, which has a history of race, a history of race that is hostile to non-whites, that the overwhelming majority of Muslims are non-whites, that Europe is in a time of anti-Muslim sentiment. All European nations have 
you know, from Viktor Orban in Hungary to Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom, have anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim platforms. And we have to socially respond to that. And as, uh, as, as, if we could do anything as white Muslims, if we, we, we could help our co-religion, our fellow Muslims who are being negatively affected by these policies, whether it be the Muslim ban in the United States, whether it be um, uh, some of the uh, issues of surveillance in the United States, or some of those issues I'm not familiar with that you may have go- going on in Canada. It's not that we end Dawa. It's that our focus is always on helping and benefiting the existing Muslims. And as far as those who want to um, uh, to do damage to Muslims, to to attack the Sajid, to uh, to scream uh, racism and, and, and things of that nature, um, I mean, these are not people that you can rationally uh, discuss things with. You have to be prepared for them. Uh, we saw the Christchurch shooter. Masajid, look, inner city African American masses in the East Coast have had armed security for generations. Known to the Masjid, there is security. Every Masajid in America needs security. Why do we need security? Why do we need armed security? And I'm not just talking about the local police department, I'm talking about defending yourself. A lot of people do not want to see, I'm one of them, I don't want to come to Masjid to see the police department. I want Muslims protecting ourselves. We have a Second Amendment. Muslims need to exercise our Second Amendment rights in this country. Why? Because of white nationalism. And this is the threat that we must address today. We do not stop giving dawah ever. We always give dawah, but we're also realistic that we have a threat in this country. And this threat is being inflamed uh, by Donald Trump. It will continue to be inflamed in this election cycle. And his, uh, what's the guy, Miller? What's his name? Stephen Miller, you know, in the White House and these other figures, uh, Jared Kushner, uh, et cetera. So let me ask you, Omar, this then. It sounds to me like it's really the infrastructure of an organization, um, like maybe a more organic approach, so to speak, because I'm, I'm trying to like envision how this strategy would look for you a little bit more. We're good about We're the strangers, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I call myself the St. Louis stranger, SDL stranger. I mean, now Muslims don't know what it means because now most of my writing is to non-Muslims and podcasts. So Muslims are strangers. So as a white Muslim, we're, we're, we are uh, becoming strangers. We're becoming strange to our communities and strange to our families. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of things I wish I could have done over. A lot of things, trust me. Not going to Thanksgiving with my family because I thought it was haram. Uh, you know, and now most of those family members are deceased, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's... I made mistakes and we'll continue to make mistakes, mistakes and we all make mistakes. Uh, maybe being too strange, maybe being too extreme. Uh, this is a conversation I've had with Suhaib Webb. You know, we were young converts studying with Sheikh Rahman Basir together. Uh, so we made mistakes. We definitely did. It's not just about the infrastructure. It's about the ethos. It's about recognizing that in the American context, that an entity for white Muslims uh, will almost necessarily... Uh, make a separation between the greater Muslim body, you know, between the greater Muslim body and will be prone to white supremacist thought. As we've already seen from this white Muslim movement on Twitter, people retweeting racist memes, racist uh, uh, ideologues, sounding like the alt-right, 
take away the Muslim name, they sound just like the alt-right. Uh, talking about white people are being discriminated against, that there's not really racism. I mean, these are all ideas uh, you know, from the alt-right that have no basis in reality. But that does not remove the obligation from Dawah from all Muslims that if a white person is in need of Dawah, if a white person approaches you uh, on information, it's not that you give the call to Islam. And that does not remove that and has been going on for generations. There are white Muslims in the Masajid. There are white Muslims in, 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 in the Muslim community. And, you know, many of them have had a great hardship. I would say overall, Conversion to Islam is, 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 is you know, statistically doesn't go well for most white white people. I agree with that, uh, but that doesn't that mean it can't. There are trials and tribulations for everybody, and we must um, uh, be welcoming. Uh, don't look at Muslims with suspicion, no matter their race or color, but also be realistic. So, what can you do if if a white person walks into your masjid and he's a new Muslim? You you invite him for iftar. You invite him for dinner. You give him good information and good knowledge. Because one of the problems that all converts have now is instead instead of sitting with the shield and studying and getting solid information on the Islam, they're going on the internet to shake Google and shake Facebook and Molana Twitter, and they're getting a hodgepodge of information. So you see him on Monday, they're a see him on Wednesday, they're a leaky. You see him on Friday, they're a jack, etc. So these are the things you can do for all converts to welcome them. And then in the biggest welcome, the biggest aid, the biggest blessing, the biggest rahmah to any Muslim is marriage, is getting a marriage and a solid foundation in the community. And statistically, this would be with a non-white person. And um, that will allow you to... Um, Inshallah, get along well with that family. We'll we'll give you a, a, a strong footing um, into the community where you no longer have to do it's all alone or it's right. alone. I know it's lonely. I've been there. I've been there. I'm not it's sure if Robert has a response, but I I am noticing a distinct paradigm between you two and your Robert. You converted post 9/11, right? Yes. Okay. And Omar, you're not like a 92, 1992 convert or 91 30. around the, 92. 92 is. There's like a class of 92, ain't you? Like Suhaib Webb, you, Ismail, yeah. Mark Manley. We were, all, we were all together, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, basically what happened was you had a lot of politically conscious hip-hop out of the East Coast that were mentioning Islam. Many of these were second-generation Muslims. Their parents converted with the Dal Islam, which is the Sunni movement, or the nation Islam. And the release of the autobiography of Malcolm X and the Malcolm X film by Spike Lee. So there was a great interest. John Walker Lynn converted this time, Suhaib Webb. Uh, I was at the Masjid in St. Louis and Ismail Royal walked in. Ismail walked up to me and said, hey, he was wearing dreadlocks. He was a skinny white kid with dreadlocks. Walked up to me and says, hey, man, what does Islam say about revolution? You know, two years later, uh, I was sleeping on the floor with Suhaib Webb in, in, in Murderville, North St. Louis, Walnut Park neighborhood sitting with Sheikh Rahman Basir, uh, who was an African-American uh, from Brooklyn who converted in 1960, which it has been given Dawah uh, in the Midwest uh, for decades. So there was a whole class at that time. And our mentality is different in that we came in more through the African-American Muslim experience, at least initially for mo- most of us. Uh, we came in more from the inner city of Muslim experience, less so Ismail, but, but definitely I was an element with him as well. And we were influenced 
by those, uh, you know, by that climate and by the general euphoria of the 90s. I mean, the 90s was the era you'd pop in a cassette tape of Imam Zayd Shakir, who was Salafi at the time, and you'd say, don't vote. Voting shows your nifak. Voting is shirk. Belief in democracy is shirk. We should be concentrating on establishing a dollar to the Islam in the United States of America. Only the impatient Muslims are not concentrating that. That was the confidence of the Muslims. That was the vigor of the Muslims at that time. Uh, where even if you told people you should vote, they would be like, whoa, man. You know, like people weren't into voting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the climate that we came out of. Uh, not And in, in post 9-11 completely flipped the community around. You saw the growth of modernism, progressivism, um, neo-Sufism, uh, et cetera, the decline in the popularity of Islamists, which the Islamist ideology was once mainstream. Which we hear from most Muslims, that declined rapidly in popularity, so the community has changed. I'm not saying everything was good because I think we were idealists. I think we were out on too many issues. We were too extreme on many issues. But there was this sincere belief and confidence and aggressiveness as opposed to the apologetic Islam post 9-11. Okay. So, There's one point I want to make because of the, the 9-11 being a thing. So Sim and I have a mutual friend who I'm not going to mention my name, um, but he has, he, has, he, has a, he has a policy. He's, he's Daisy. He has a policy that he, that he assumes every white convert is a mole or informant until they've done 10 years post-Shahada. So right. that's you know what I'm saying? So that yeah. see that phenomenon that, that happened pre nine eleven, like right? Yeah. You weren't a white. And to be no, honest, no, pre nine eleven too, but less so. Okay, but less so. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This male did fourteen years in prison. People still say he's a fit. Okay, I don't know what he has to do forty years in prison to not be a fit. Uh, <laughs> people say the same thing about all white Muslims, right? Uh, and for me, a lot of these white Muslims are kind of like. Like I said, these middle upper class rich kids who live in like, oh no, I'm not a fit. No, uh, I'm not on that. I'm not on that. Brothers will tell you. I went to an iftar, and it was a Lebanese brother. He made the joke. I just bam, smacked him right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sat down, ate my samosa. You know what I'm trying to say? And date. It was an iftar. I don't, you know, so because of that, I don't really mix down here and that because people don't know me. I'm going to tell you what, I was going to the masjid a lot down here. I like to go to Valley Ranch because Omar Suleiman, you know, gives his talks and Master Bridges. I really like Omar Suleiman gives his talks. Master's jam packed because the Muslim community in general down here is not friendly. Nowhere near as friendly as St. Louis. Nowhere near as friendly as the East Coast. It's like the vibe here is really weird in Dallas over there. It's like really cold. Not just about being white. It's like not friendly, period. A cold atmosphere at themselves. And they only have iftar like on the weekends, whereas in St. Louis they have it every night. So I was at Iftar at the Masajid is a blessing for conference. It's a blessing. My favorite time of year is Iftar in the St. Louis Masajid. Anyway, so I'm sitting down waiting for the Yazan. Masjid's jam-packed. It's like 99% Daisy. For those who don't know, like, almost as modestly, man, I'm of the Masjid. It's almost exclusively Daisy. Dude sits down next to me. He says, why are you here? So it's Ramadan. I don't want to break my fast, but I really want to choke this dude into unconsciousness. <laughs> <laughs> But he, he keeps asking, why am I, you know what I'm saying? And I just kind of ignored it because it was Ramadan. But if it wasn't Ramadan, I would have choked them out in the Musallah. They would have had to drag me off of it. So that's the reality that white Muslims have to do. I'm not saying everybody like me because 
I might have a couple screws loose. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I don't care about getting locked up. Robert may not want to go to the jail. So I'm not saying I'm a role model, but I will say I will choke your ass out in the, uh, excuse me for cursing the mad mamas, but I will uh, uh, choke you out. So yeah, there's that suspicion, but I'm not going to kiss nobody's butt uh, to make them not be suspicious of me. He don't like me. That's on him. I don't kiss nobody. If I did, I wouldn't have uh, peed off all the Bernie Sanders supporters on the left and all the, uh, you know, I don't know what they are, like far left people. And I wouldn't have peed off all the Southerfees with the rise and fall. And then peed off all the humble Yusuf fans and this and that. So I've never lived my life for other people. You know what I'm saying? I've always lived my life trying to be, have a fidelity to the truth and call it like I see it. I might be right, I might be wrong, but I'm going to call it like I see it. And uh, I'm not kissing nobody but to be accepted. Yeah, uh, Omar, I mean, the listeners to uh, the Madman Lukes would easily say, like, hey, Sim, you probably disagree with Omar Lee on so many different issues. The one thing I always respected with you, Omar, was that you didn't really care about what the hell anyone has to say. You didn't really pander to any specific base. You you would go with the left on certain things and then completely uh, tank them on other things that they're, that you completely disagreed about disagree with them about and it would you would never help yourself out when you like you uh, said when your uh, fidelity is the truth um, you're going to definitely not uh, rise uh, your your rise to popularity will be hindered very much It'll definitely be hindered yeah <laughs> all right Robert, you got anything? Uh, you got any comments? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand, Robert. This is not. I know. You're I so know, white, know. dude. Come on, man. <laughs> Just jump in. Peacher, corrupt. Hey, there. I brought it. Who's agreeing with me? There you go. <laughs> this is one thing about white culture is that they do follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, you, you you always see that when you when you fly international. So my flight know. from Chicago to like Dubai. When I'm going to Bangladesh, the second leg was all Daisies. Like, you know, there's like boarding groups. You know how they, everybody gets up at once? Yeah. There's no boarding group. There's no single file line. It's just like. <laughs> Six out west. Yep. All we, right. We, we follow rules unless we're playing hockey. That's it. <laughs> uh, Go ahead, Robert. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, so I want to address some of the things Umar said. Absolutely. Security of the masters. 100% important. I mean, I mean, uh, again, for a lot of Muslims going to the masjid, it's, it's life and death. I mean. Not disagreeing that whatsoever. This is more of on like a, just uh, our website's more of a conceptual basis. But again, totally agree with the, you know, uh, the, the Black American Muslim Conference, Latino, uh, you know, like a uh, website. Totally agree with that. I mean, they need, they need as much support as they can get. So no, we totally agree with that. You shouldn't stop giving Dawah either. What I wanted to address is this, like, for example, for, again, for the converts, um, you know, uh, you're, Again, when it comes to marriage, again, a lot, of, and again, let's look at a lot of the born Muslim community. A lot of them are very, very reluctant to have their son or daughter marry, especially their daughter, marry a convert because there's such high attrition rates of converts. That's one reason. Uh, it's not, again, it's not, it's not right. But at the same time, I mean, like, uh, we, we have to be, we have to be realistic here. The majority of born Muslims don't marry outside of their own family or outside of their own culture. Uh, city or outside of their own country so if 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 a lot of these marriages to them they feel they're not culturally compatible what makes us think that uh, in all cases and i'm married to a syrian uh sister mashallah it's working very well so again there are exceptions to every rule but i'm saying for 
a lot of converts. Some of them are just uh, not ready, especially when they first convert, for marrying into a totally uh, different culture. Think about it. They have to learn how to fast. They have to learn how to pray. They have to learn a totally different new way of life. They're estranged from their family. They're estranged from the community. A lot of these sisters, they uh, you know, don't ask anything for a, a, a mahar. Uh, they don't have any Muslim family to scream for potential, uh, you know, suitors. So again, they're all alone on here, putting their names out, and a lot of, the, and that opens the door for a lot of people who might take advantage of them. Even with brothers who have the absolute best intentions, I've seen marriages where, you know, both the brother and the sister had complete, totally best intentions, a convert and a born Muslim, but because of uh, the cultural differences, a lot of the times it doesn't work out. I'm not saying that it can't. I'm just saying that. Um, it should. It seems almost as if it's like it's it's almost a prerequisite that you know you have to marry into a Muslim family. And I know that's not the case. It's just that, like Umar said, there's so few white Muslims to begin with. It's totally understandable why you'd want to marry into a Muslim family. But what I'm saying is, it's a chicken or the egg problem again. There's so. I mean, think about it. You're a white person living in rural Canada, rural United States. You, you're interested in Islam, you're thinking about Islam, but at the same time, you'll be estranged from everybody. You'll have to geographically locate and go into a culture where you're just not ready for that uh, cultural adjustment. And again, it may sound crazy, but at the same time, look at you know people, people born into Muslim families. They're very reluctant to marry outside their own culture. And again, like there may be reasons for that. Um, you know, who, who knows if, if it's racism or not, but again, Correlation does not always mean causation. There's, I think there's several factors at play that are preventing a lot of white people from entering the fold of Islam. Can I make two points to that? Okay. Yep. Two points is, number one, first of all, we should, if you're a white convert, uh, you should all be inspired this week by Ilhan Omar. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, if, 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 I mean, look, man, I mean, I don't see white converts are easily getting married. You know, True. Uh, uh, You're also and, easily getting divorced. Yeah. Well, everybody's easily getting divorced now. Yeah. And also, um, the other issue is that, um, unfortunately, we have a lot of Muslim, Muslim, like this generation of Muslim women growing up here in America now. If they don't find what they want in the Muslim community, they're marrying non-Muslims. So the idea of marrying a non-Daisy Muslim is not that strange when marrying a non-Muslim is on the playing field, and it's the same for Muslims as well. There's increasingly intermarriage rate uh, with Muslims, right? So the idea of marrying a convert is not as strange as it was even 10, 20, 25 years ago uh, when the assimilation level uh, is increasing and you have uh, Muslims, both men and women, marrying non-Muslims. Uh, so the idea of marrying a convert is not as strange. The second thing is, I get back to the concept of Jamaat, what the Dahl Islam movement had uh, in the 1970s in Brooklyn, New York, and other places, what the Islamic party had. Uh, what Imam Jamal Amin established in Atlanta, et cetera, is Jamaat. He's a convert and he's Jamaat. He needs to be in congregation. So I would tell anyone, and I've been saying this for years, uh, if you convert and you're in rural Saskatoon or Saskatchewan uh, or you're in uh, rural California for that matter, if you want to grow closer to, to Allah and closer to the Muslims, you have to move. You can't pray to by yourself. You have to move. You have to make a sacrifice for this dean. Look, we've got a way in this last two generations, in this me, me, time out generation, you know, trying to say, you know, uh, uh, by the way, we're seeing the fruits of it now with the coronavirus. They're packing the bars and streets in all of our cities, uh, not, uh, not caring about uh, social isolation, is you have to make a sacrifice. And you can't be the only Muslim expect to be grounded in dean 
you know, whether you have to move to Vancouver or whether you have to move to Calgary. Uh, I don't know. I'm just calling out random things. That happen. <laughs> yeah, or, Geography is very good. Right. Or, or, whatever, or whatever the case may be. You have, look, why did I leave St. Louis? I love St. Louis. I'm the most St. Louis dude ever. Not now. This is for a family team. I hate Dallas and hate Texas. This is a family thing down here. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you can turn the whole state of Texas into a parking lot outside of Bucky. You know, we lost to the Manatee. But I'm talking about why did I move to the D.C. area? Why did I move to New York City? It's because I thought they had a better Muslim community at the time. I definitely grew as a Muslim and learned so much. Sitting with the Sheikh Ali Tamimi and the Jaffa Sheikh Idris and being with the, the Mahat students and, and all of those uh, in the D.C. metro. And then, you know, in, in New York, that vibrant, live, flavorful place that is Brooklyn and Queens. You know what I'm saying? I made a sacrifice, and Muslims have to make a sacrifice. Oh, you're right. Well, can I say something? Go ahead. So, yeah, so that's true. I mean, if you're Muslims, you do have to make sacrifices, especially if you're a convert, especially if you're a white convert or whatever, convert living in rural North America, rural, rural Canada. So, but how many, the amount of sacrifices we're making here that the normal convert is making is so incredibly huge. And meanwhile, a lot of Muslims are doing anything at all. Like it's, you know, like... The, the, name a few of them, like... What's that? They told you it was Haram and watched the Stanley Cup finals or curling <laughs> was Haram or something. I mean, what, 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 I mean, what specifically like are the, the sacrifices that, I mean, because I know I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying what specifically are those that are really... I, I think what Robert's trying to say is that like, so there's like a threshold. So like me as a born Muslim, I was born, my, my forefathers converted from worshiping like cows, like, I don't know, X amount of generations ago, right? I'm assuming. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so for me to like, I'm already Muslim... <laughs> And, and and Sim is is from Pakistan background. S- Sim is a Sayyid, mashallah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm from my Indian background, but uh, <laughs> he claims to be Sayyid. I, we do, we, I do have uh, I have some Turkish roots and uh, some Uzbek roots as well. With your grandfather Sahaba or something like that. Oh, uh, hopefully, inshallah. I've seen the family tree. They they said that there's a Sayyid there, and that he's a okay. well-known Sayyid. So okay. I don't know. Hopefully. You know, but like, my, but I, I, I don't want the trials that come associated with being Sayyid. Right, right. My, my, my point is that like, there's because because when, when I talk to non-Muslims about Islam, so when you talk to an African American person, it's more normative for them to become Muslim because a lot of times you like you go to Philly, right? Every African American family has probably at least one Muslim in their family. Correct. You're talking to a white person. I, I, I had a, I had, a, I had a white person tell me once that like they agreed with everything, but like all their families, like you're like still in Europe, they're like second generation. And they think Islam is still like ISIS and all that because of what is going on in Europe. So right. you, you're there's they, but they understood the concept of Tawheed, right, or whatnot, or etc. They insert a lot of the concepts, but it's like there's this there's a societal like barrier there that you've got to like overcome. So there's you have to go a further along. So sometimes what's happening is, and I'm, that's why I'm also mentioned the comparison between post 9-11 and pre 9-11 when y'all came in like the early 90s y'all came in like hardcore Mark Manley talks about this all the time that like converts today are like really soft but it's like one of my big fans you know what I mean but like I think that in the in today's time in, in today's day and age it's like we're just letting people um, we're, we're just letting people like we just want them to get in the door like bottom line like, I hate to say I hate to say I agree with Mark Manley about anything <laughs> Because I do like I, that person at all. What's going on? Uh, Why don't you like Mark, man? I'm not going to get into it, but I would just say there's a whole segment 
of Muslims of my era that thought that the future of Islam would be glorious and their personal future would be glorious and now they became very grumpy in their middle age and very cynical uh, and just kind of like uh, this kind of uncle sitting in the corner ranting. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hate to see it, a lot of negativity and a lot of estrangement uh, from the Muslim community. But I will agree with Mark Manley on this topic that it was expected that you would sacrifice when you converted back then, that if you were smoking weed, you would stop. Now, we do know that there were the old Sunnis who used to pass the joint to the right because the Sunni is to the right and hit the joint one, three, or five times in accordance to some of the... We saw that. We were expected to sacrifice for the deen, to give up on celebrating holidays with our family, uh, to change our names, uh, to, to grow our beards, to live near the masjid, to go to classes not once a week, but once a day where the imam was not getting paid. And change our lifestyle into an Islamic lifestyle. Now, you just convert. Oh, you smoke weed? Hey, man, it ain't necessarily wrong. Hey, you like to, you like to drink liquor? Hey, man, you know, you, you'll give that up. Uh, you want to cut your face? Hey, man, you know, it, 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 you know, it doesn't make you a conference. Uh, you don't like to come to the mansion? Hey, man, you know, you can pray at home. Uh, you you want to um, celebrate Easter, going to Easter egg hunt with your family? Hey, man, it's okay. You know, so I agree with Mark, man, on, on nothing is expected convert now and say I'm Muslim and put on uh, Twitter hashtag Muslim uh, 100% unapologetic Muslim or something like that. <laughs> that's all it takes. You just have to get off to the free Palestine rally. That's the total. I mean, look, there's two pillars of Islam today. Free Palestine and Bernie Sanders. You know what I'm saying? And as long as you do those two things, they're good. You know what I'm but the moment you start talking about Tawheed, hold on, Tawheed, but hold on now. Hold on now. Uh, uh, you're saying the Buddhists and the Hindus and the Zoroastrians are all oh, no, 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 you know, so, so yeah, Islam. Uh, uh, there's a correct term is Majusi, by the way, huh? We learned from our previous episode that the correct term is Majusi for uh, the Zoroastrians, for the Zoroastrians, okay, that's what they call it, uh, okay, that's a pejorative for Shia, too, what they say, too, I know, but uh, but yeah, I mean. Nothing is expected as a convert now. Just convert. Just convert. Muslims for Bernie hashtag and, uh, you know, free Palestine. And that's it. No practice. It's like after 9-11, I remember it's like a year or two, I was with a friend, Tim Kaminsky, make dua for him. Beautiful brother, originally from Chicago, has cancer. Man, one of the best brothers you'll ever meet. White Muslim, Polish guy, grandparents on both sides of immigrants from Poland. Really beautiful brother. Um, but uh, Tim... Uh, we had a guy approach us, this white guy, lawyer, leftist in St. Louis, saying, I want to convert to Islam, but I'm an atheist. Do I have to believe in God? <laughs> and Tim said, yeah, of course. You have to believe in God. You know, it's like the, the foundation of the religion of Islam. But the Muslim identity became cool. This Muslim identity is hip. It's cool. So on one side, you got the right, which is Islamophobic, and uh, stirring up violence towards Muslims and hatred. And then on the left, you do have some useful idiots, uh, quote unquote, Muslim allies that are, you know, that uh, they just think is, is down, it's cool, and they'll even carry the water for our bad actors in the Muslim community. So that's kind of the, the, the issue we have. So I agree with Martin Manley. Uh, I hate to say it, 
hate to say it, but I agree with Mark Manley. But 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 here's my point here. I think that like as okay, so I'll, I'll tell you the context behind it. So I was talking to I have a a friend I used to work with, Asian guy. He's from Hong Kong, yeah. right? And his I'm biggest solidarity with Hong Kong. I, I'm a solidarity with. Pork. So his 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 biggest hang up is pork, right? So he was telling me like I was we were talking about like the coronavirus and stuff and he he I mean we've been talking about religion for like eight years now he now and I'd be like and he's like man I had Japanese pork belly last week I'm like dude just convert eat your damn pork belly and just but make sure you pray though I was telling him like no, I wouldn't tell him that you don't cause, so I would be like you, you'll figure the pork belly will fall off because as long as you're in kufr. The, the sin the, of eating pork. I got my own sins, though. You know what I'm saying? You can eat all the pork you want to join them. No. I think there's a difference here. There there's a difference about who became Muslim and they, they had bad habits that ended up falling off later on, right? Yeah. There's a difference. But the problem is they never do. Can I say something? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a difference, though. Like, there's a difference between saying, okay, this is halal, this is haram, this is allowed in Islam, this is not allowed in Islam, right? There's a difference between that and if you do this, it takes you outside of the fold of Islam. For sure. Shirk, that takes you outside, yeah. outside of Islam. Um, like, here, I'll give you a perfect example. A lot of uh, women, you know, they convert to Islam, and they're already married uh, to, a, to a non-Muslim man, right? So they, the scholars have, have discussed this in detail, and there's, there's, not a, there's, a, there's ikhtilaf on this issue. There are some Sahabi who, Sahabat, who are married to a non-Muslim man, when they converted to Islam, they didn't have to divorce their husbands. Until then, then they converted to Islam afterwards. So you can't initiate a marriage of a Muslim woman and a non-Muslim man. But as a as an exception, that's fatwa khas, right? So the scholars, I mean, whatever imam you're with, you know, like whatever masjid or whatever, uh, they have to take a look at this situation. But I think in general, when people first convert, they really have to make they have really have to be clear. Yes, pork is haram, alcohol is haram. However, it's more important to have your shahada, and then afterwards, those things, those things will have to come. But you have to make it clear to them. Look, that's of course. Haram. That's... But we're in an era now where people are saying, "Oh, the halal and haram, it's all subjective." No, I don't agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not saying that either. Like, I, I'm being very clear. There's another, you know, coworker that I've spoken with, and she, and she's a, you know, like a white girl, and she's like, "Well, about, about hijab and stuff." I'm like, I'm like, don't worry about hijab. Like, hijab is obligatory, right? Right. But like we don't tell them to do everything day one. No, no a lot I of dorm- yeah. but, but you have to set standards. You have to set standards and say this is these are the standards. We're gonna we're not perfect Muslims. Nobody is. You know, we all you know what I'm saying we all have our problems. I got my problems too, you know what I'm trying to say. But you know, the problem is in this era that we're in, you can very easily move to, you know, Allah knows my heart. It's what's in my soul, and is pork really haram? What's really haram is the mistreatment of animals, and the um, and the factory farming system of America. So therefore, I'm going to practice my Islam by opposing the factory farming system of America. But I will eat uh, organic, free-range, <laughs> non-GMO pigs. I I think we're all in agreement here with you, Omar. <laughs> So, so okay, is it, one of the things I noticed recently when I was at a shahada of a, of a white person who was accepting Islam, they're Christian and they're becoming Muslim, was that the imam added something at the end of a shahada, and that yeah. was, 
and you affirm that Isa السلام, is the messenger of God and not his son. I was like, where the hell did this come from? Like, why did why would you add that to a shahada? And I was wanting to know, as two uh, white Muslims who are um, you know converts, and how would you feel if uh, an imam asked you to recite that after the at the end of a shahada? I mean, well, so, isn't that like kind of? I've heard that before. I've seen that before too. Have you seen that, Mahin? Okay, yeah, yeah. Then. Because when they're, when they're Christian, they have to denounce their belief that an Isa being like God. That's what I. Yeah, that's that's I, the, I, the I, rationale I, I've seen. That was, not, that was not a part of my shahada. I think that's a bit that wasn't mine either. Yeah, me uh, neither. You know, uh, and but as a young Muslim, I probably wouldn't have known any better. You know, trying to say so, I would just would have rolled with the punches. You know. Uh, yeah. But that was not that was not part of my, actually my shahada was kind of funny because I was a minor and at the Islamic Center in St. Louis and there was this big I had already got a circle of African American Muslim friends older guys and it was almost all Daisy crowd a few Arabs and Africans mixed in and some people in the crowd objected to me taking shahada because they were worried my parents may sue <laughs> and so. Uh, while they were arguing, Dr. Modi Rahman was a, a Bengali uh, ophthalmologist, a beautiful brother who since passed away, may a lot of mercy to him. Yeah. Uh, he just looked at me and said, repeat after me, and gave me the shahada. Well, they're not wrong. White people are liti- lit- litigious. Oh, litigious, yeah. They just uh, don't know. My family is like very blue collar, very, you know, you know, very, uh, my family not like that. You know, trying to yeah. say, you know, my family is one book in the house. That's a good book, the Bible. Yeah. And it may be a cookbook, you know what I'm trying to say. So, you know, um, uh, my family and I like that. I, I want Omar to, Omar, can I actually uh, have you clarify a statement? I think you made this on social media maybe a year or two ago. And forgive me if I misquote you, but it was something that they're paraphrasing that you don't think white people should convert to Islam. Do you remember what this post was about? Yes, I do. Okay. You know um, can you elaborate a little bit and like, Explain what do you mean by that? Because yeah, well, well, first of all, Islam is universal and Dawah is universal, right? But the reality is, is that, uh, and it's not just about white people; it's about conversion in general right now. It's that I had a young African American guy in St. Louis tell me he's interested in Islam, and I said, "Where do I send him?" We have uh, one African American masjid that's barely open. It's it's one I help. Found the Sheikh and Mujada Bukhara, Munefta, uh, the Suhaib Web attended. Um, it's dysfunctional. It's hardly ever open. One of the reasons dysfunctional is because a group of ISIS supporters, uh, students of Sheikh uh, ISIL of the UK or the Jamaican, uh, um, committed act of violence there. Um, you have Masjid Mu'minun, which is the WD Masjid, which is the average age is probably about 80 in this every year. Um, and you know, you have, uh, for white Muslims. So I, I didn't really know where to tell them to go. I never mm-hmm. know. I didn't know where you know tell them to go. Since that time, the African American Muslim friends of mine that I attend when I'm in town, that I have a halakha elite that I attend when I'm in town. Um, and I would tell them to go there. Now, as far as the white Muslims are concerned, where do you tell them to go? You know, I'm trying to say, um, uh, the uh, uh, the 
also, secondly, most white Muslims I see or white people I see converting to Islam are not balanced people. They're either very far left activists that thinks that Islam gives them some credibility as a left wing activist, or like there's these weird right wingers that want to re like want to resurrect the Ottoman Empire and are like a monarchist traditionalist, uh, you know, and just like Robert Peterson masculinity. So by the way, more a dude talks about Matt, uh, uh, Robert Peterson, Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson and Sarkanovich or whatever the hell his name is, uh, the more of a beta they are. You know, trying to say a real alpha does not need to go to a podcast or, or watch some YouTube video or go on Twitter to learn how to be a man. You know, trying to say. So uh, that just shows you that the, the weirdness in American society that's infiltrated into the Muslim stuff. So um, there's really, most I see are imbalanced. So when I see the vast majority of white Congress being lunatics, being nuts, entering the Muslim community and causing disruptions, uh, entering um, the Muslim community and being performative in nature, um, and then those uh, we're seeing now who are also attracted to like ISIS and these fringe groups, a small minority, but we had a guy here in Dallas to end up becoming a big leader in ISIS, uh, a Greek-American a wealthy guy. Then I say, if you're going to play the numbers, then die with the white people is really not worth the time because most end up becoming lunatics and most that come to the door are nuts. And there's a lot of nutty white converts. If you don't believe me, just go on social media. It's full of nutty white converts. There's a lot of nutty converts in general. They're not just necessarily white, but I've, I've just sure. met. Ooh, For sure. For sure. I think but we've... the whites are the crazy. You know what I'm saying? But there's a lot of nutty converts, in the but the white people are the crazies. Uh, pre-9-11, less so, even though Abu Nur, Abdul Malik Ryan, there in Chicago at DePaul, He's disagree with me. That's a, a white convert. I really love that brother. He's saying, yeah, you see, you know, pre 9 11, there were a lot of eccentric people as well, but maybe they were eccentric in ways that you identify with more. And that's a fair and valid point um, from Abu Nur that I'll have to take uh, under consideration. Yeah. Mm, okay. I mean, that, that, that makes sense, but you alluded to something that the African American brother in St. Louis, so like you're in Chicago, there's probably, you don't have that problem because you could send him to like Iman, for example, right? Um, or if you're in Houston, you go to like the Latino brothers, you send them Islam in Spanish. So, but like, so isn't, so I, when I think about this whole like Robert's organization, and obviously there's, there's smaller number, but isn't like an organization like Islam in Spanish, like a proof that Islam for Europeans could also exist? Or do you not even agree with the premise of Islam in Spanish? That's a totally different thing because you're talking about a language, number one. So like, it would just be like making Dawah to, to, uh, you know, people speaking, you know, Swahili or Bengali or something, you know, trying to say, like, literally, people have linguistic needs that Islam and Spanish is trying uh, to meet. Okay. So I think it's a different thing. I also think that you have to look at this historically and culturally and socially where we're at. Hispanic Americans are, are pretty much, in many cases, in the same boat as Muslims in the sense that, uh, you know, just like you have the Muslim ban. Uh, you know, you have to build the wall type of thing going on. You have a suspicion. So culturally, I think that, that uh, Latinos, Hispanics are much closer to the Muslim community. Um, Omar Lee, um, what, about, what about things like, like uh, Talif, who are, you know, um, younger kids who are inclined uh, towards... Omar Lee, you're about to go on a rant right now. Yeah, yeah. So certain, <laughs> certain types of cultures, you know? I mean, what I'm saying is that it's not necessarily what, what I... 
what I like about Robert's idea about this Islam for Europeans is that there are um, there are being from an immigrant family from an immigrant community. I know how our community can completely isolate um, you know a new convert from any ethnicity, whether you're white, black, or anything. You know, right. so I don't necessarily have a problem with um, organizations like Dali for whoever forming their own. Um, uh, like a kind of a click where they kind of talk in the way they want. And I, I think that's what we've been doing on the Mad Mamluks as well as is, is forming yeah. a little of a click of people yeah. who have been raised in uh, the, the UK, Canada and the United States of young Muslims who are inclined towards the religion. We are tired of Islam 101 and we're kind of trying to build our own um, opinion. Ali on things. is a good example. Yeah. It's a good example. Now, first of all, there are some people at Talif I really love. Number one, Ubaidullah Evans. Big fan of Ubaidullah Evans. I think Ubaidullah Evans is, to me, if you want to name my favorite young speakers, current speakers in the Muslim community, Ubaidullah Evans, uh, Mufti Munir Muhammad, the brother from Philly in New York, they studied in Medina, um, Shadid Muhammad, those are pro- uh, another brother in Philly. These are probably my three favorite, but I love Ubaidullah. Uh, and I think he'd be a great benefit to Talif. But what happened in Talif? It's a good example. I'm glad you mentioned this. What happened to Talif? Is he, a, a cult of personality emerged, uh, and via that cult of personality, uh, cult of personality, more than likely the the, the bounds of the Sharia were transgressed uh, because it catered to a lifestyle, and that lifestyle was hipsters, lipsters, Muslim hipsters, like Muslim dudes in skinny jeans and tight t-shirts that when they bend over for subdued, uh, you see the crack of their behind, uh, that it may be vegans. Uh, they have a Black Lives Matter sign in their window, but they just gentrified the black neighborhood in San Francisco. That was the whole uh, demographic that Talif catered to, okay? And what happened? Well, you know, water under the bridge, but we know that uh, there's serious problems at Talif. Now, you contrast that with the Dal Islam movement and these other African-American Sunni movements, you know, uh, may Allah have mercy on Sheikh Yahya Karim and all these uh, these pioneers and founders of Sunni Islam in America, you know, Sheikh Dawood in New York. It all starts in Brooklyn. You look at black Sunni Islam, the mother is Brooklyn. They used to say, they used to say Harlem is Mecca and Brooklyn is Medina. Uh, and that's been a, and that is just to show you how Islam is intertwined with greater forces. Gentrification has tremendously hurt Islam in New York City, uh, African American Islam. So uh, we have to look at that at that from this uh, this perspective that uh, the Jamaat that centered on Tawheed, on Islam, yes, can be successful. You know, and it and it could be geographic or or, or something of that nature. But once you root it in race. Or subculture, or hipsterism, or yuppieism, or or any of these things, is bound for failure. To be personality cults, uh, and to particularly have problems when you have the, uh, and with regards to Salif, look, I know my limitations. I love women. Okay. Uh, you know, Yasakati did this thing, cover her like a garment. You know, trying to say charging people three hundred bucks to learn how to consummate their marriage. It just totally blew my mind. Like what? People don't know how to consummate their marriage. You know what I'm trying to say? It just, it, it just so, was so culturally unrelatable to me. But then again, I started making Zen at 12 years old. You know what I'm trying to say? So, like, there's a vast cultural gap between me and the, like, the suburban, traditional 
Muslim Desi family, right? So the, uh, uh, but for me, if I go into an environment of this rampant free mixing, like I, they got a third space here ran by Abdul Rahman Murphy in, um, in Dallas. So I went one time, I liked that brother, but it was all Daisy and basically just for Daisy's and like 95% women. They're in there with their shoes off. They all had pedicures, you know what I'm trying to say? But these are young Daisy college girls. They're not trying to think about me. I'm like, a, I'm like an old uncle to them, you know what I'm trying to say? And I said, man, this is not an environment for me because well, no matter what Abdul Rahman Murphy is talking about, you know what I'm trying to say? My eyes like, like this, you know what I'm trying to say? daughter's over here, she's fine. You know what I'm trying to say? Robert, go ahead. You had the floor until we wrap up, so you got at least five minutes. Sure, 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 sure. So getting back to the whole idea of like, uh, you look at any big city in North America, there's masters that are centered on one ethnicity, right? Now, when I first converted to Islam, we're all told, everyone told me ethnic masjid is, you know, stay away from them. We want the umbrella masjid. That's the only way they were going to survive. Really, though, you see the utility in it. Like there's, you know, you go to Toronto, there's Pakistan masjids that are predominantly Pakistani. There's masjids that are predominantly Arab. You have the, you know, every, you have a Muslim community for the Syrian Muslim community. I went through their Eid prayer. You know, I think these masjids serve in, A, they serve in necessity because a lot, you know, Muslims, we come from totally different backgrounds. We're going to have different problems. And none of these masjids or none of these organizations disallow any Muslims from coming in and praying with them, eating with them, fasting with them. But you're, when you step in, you're you're being immersed in that culture, and I think that's a and I think it's a beautiful thing. I honestly do. I mean, like uh, it's great to have options. You know, like you're in a big city like Toronto, you can go eat uh, biryani for iftar. This masjid, you can go eat hummus and uh, pita. This you know uh, masjid for iftar. I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as tawhid is the is the main focus and it's a masjid and nobody is disallowed from from being invited and again let's be honest you know like even though you know on, on paper it looks like the umbrella masjid should be the way to go a lot of these umbrella masjids have huge power struggles like i remember you know and i'm not going to name names or cities but there's been i've seen masters before where it ended up in just a complete brawl in the lobby between two different two muslim culture backgrounds because it's just a it's just a constant power struggle so i think the umbrella master that has its place i think it's totally important it's totally necessary but at the same time you need muslims are such a diverse groups of people that you need you know masters that cater to whatever culture whatever background you come from and, you know, um, even, you know, like, and yeah, I mean, some, some people, you know, they're going to come from a hipster background. I mean, yeah, again, we got to make sure that we're not giving them the wrong advice that, you know, we're focusing on Tawheed. They're not saying, okay, this is halal, this, when it's really haram or the opposite, but I think it's important. And I think. Man um, buns are halal. <laughs> What's that? Man buns? Man buns are halal. Man buns are halal. I don't know. I don't know what the fact was on that anymore, <laughs> but in any case, um, I just want to wrap up with this again. Um, we're trying, and again, you know, I'm open to criticism. Uh, we've gotten a lot of support from Muslims from all walks of life. Um, a lot of them totally support from all backgrounds. Again, we're totally open to critique. Um, we don't want this to, you know, uh, be a platform for any type of racism or nationalism or things like that. We, you know, we have, you know, we just want to look at, look at it from another angle. And, you know, if, that softens people's hearts if we can do dawah that way without kissing anybody's butt 
you know, I, I'm still welcome to do that. And again, I mean, we welcome it. And I'm glad that we're able to have this discussion and talk to different voices who may disagree with me. I'm totally cool with that. And I'm totally reachable. If you see anything uh, that may harm the Muslim community in any way, let me know personally and I will and I will deal with it. Mahin, wouldn't you love seeing an all-white Tablighi Jamaat congregation coming up to your doorstep? <laughs> I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you what I did think was really cool. Uh, I don't know if it was Islam for Europeans. There's this. There's a picture of like a Bosnian madrasa, like all these younger, like maybe teen, like high school age kids, like white guys wearing like these blue suits and like white shirt, red tie. And someone had said it, it looks like an alt right convention. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, we have that photo it. up. I remember yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I remember and only thing you you saw some hijab muhajaba in the background, but it's a bunch of Bosnian madrasa students, right? Because it's like. You know, I don't. I don't think I was like, "Where's their beards at?" Bosnians <laughs> are big in St. Louis, man. They have several massages in St. Louis. Okay, very big. Awesome guys, thank well, you so much for. Uh, if you come yeah. to St. Louis, uh, a can of Lacroix and unse- a plate of unseasoned chicken is on me. I want you to feel welcome. No seasoning. I got you, my brother. <laughs> okay. No problem. Awesome. And if anyone wants to come, anyone uh, steps by London, Ontario, let's go to Bamiyan uh, Afghan Cuisine. Mm-hmm. Best halal food in uh, in London. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Omar, how, how do people reach out to you? What's the best place to contact you at? Uh, they, they, can, uh, well, they can email me at umarli at gmail.com. They can follow me on Twitter at umarli, Roman numeral three, umarli III. That's my third Twitter account. I'm protesting the loss of my verified Twitter account. Oh, no. Uh, and uh, that's that's the, that's the two best ways. And Robert, you? Uh, I could be reached at uh, uh, islamforeuropeans.com website. Um, also, my email address if you need to get a hold of me is, it's really weird, rbrtdfr2. That's my name without vowels. The number two at gmail.com if you need to get a hold of me. Awesome. Are you on Twitter or? Uh, I'm on Twitter, yeah. Robert of Canada. Um, at Robert and, of uh, Canada. I, I got my own trivia side business right host trivia shows so awesome. your master wants your master wants to have a trivia show call me up and, awesome. and before we leave everybody do our eyes for the coronavirus victims yeah. and advice to people to adhere to the advice of public health officials uh you know social isolation is big and once again robert my sincere uh uh, warmth to the First Lady of Canada and Mr. Trudeau. Uh, um, I hope they remain healthy. And I can say the same for the head of state of the United States of America. I want him to continue hugging, sitting, shaking hands, uh, and public as much as possible. Awesome. Thanks again, everyone. Sorry nice. for any of the technical difficulties. I know some there were some uh, lag issues in the stream, but we will have a uncorrupted version released in the uh, on the youtube channel so keep an eye out for that and if you have any questions or comments uh, leave them in the episode description make sure you click like and subscribe on this episode i I hate saying that because it just seems so corny i feel like those other youtubers yeah but it's so important to the algorithm that guys if you want the channel to grow and expand i have to mention that um I'll create 20 accounts for you, uh, Sim. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you, my dude. Yeah, I want to make a quick plug. So I uh, sold to the Sneakers. Yeah. That's my channel. Go ahead. Just released a new episode yesterday, uh, episode 11 with Nabil Aziz. Um, so that surely should get some... Uh, <laughs> some people know. interested. Some people interested. Also, I'm, I'm on TikTok. Sims against TikTok. I'm on TikTok. 38-year-old like male. Pedophiles uh, are on TikTok. <laughs> After a certain age, you cannot be on there. 
<laughs> all right. I agree with you. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll right. see y'all next time. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam.